welcome to The Way of Godly Men, where our aim is to help men think deeply about masculinity, life, and culture from a Christian perspective. This is part two. What is a pastor? Enjoy the show. So yeah, that was that was really good. Mic drop. I don't want to actually drop the mic because it's expensive and we need to record. So I'm not gonna drop it. But anyways, you you're probably lost. Like what? What are you talking about? Mic drop. I am lost. <laughs> it's all good. People listening, he's like, okay, I, I get what Alex said. But all right, so we're talking about being a pastor now. This question. It's very confusing for a lot of people, and some people don't can't tell the difference the the difference between what is teaching and what is preaching, and and if there are any differences, what are they? <clears throat> oh, well, you know, I think there's I think there's a lot of people that may have some valid but differing opinions on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if someone were to ask me, I would say, f- first of all, every preacher, well, I'm talking about what ought to be okay. here. Every preacher, ought to, by definition, is a teacher. But not every teacher or every teaching is necessarily preaching. And, and so what would that mean? Why do I say that? Well, preaching, and you know, I mean, the daskalos, uh, a teacher, or... Uh, or to teach the verb form in the New Testament, it's, it's throughout. And, and so is keruso, or preaching, or, or uh, the, the verb form of the gospel, euangelion, okay. uh, 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 is, is another uh, form of preaching. But, but preaching, when, it, when it's used, it comes from this idea of to herald, to announce, like someone running from the king's palace to town town and saying, you know, hear ye, hear ye, thus saith the king. That's proclaiming. Okay. Okay, so that proclamation, what's the difference between preaching and teaching? So you're going to, by definition, I'm a, I'm a teacher, I'm a pastor, I'm a, you've asked me that in another episode of the podcast, to feed the sheep, to feed them what? The Word of God. What does that mean to feed them the Word of God? It means to teach it. Mm-hmm. It means to say, let's read this, now let's talk about this, let, let, let's, let's unfold this. Okay, that's what first and foremost it means. And then it comes with, what is the application? Does this apply to you, dear Christian? Uh, a church member, does this apply to you? Yes, it does. And thus, since we've gotten and tried to bring the people to the Word by unfolding it and and doing it, teaching it, this is what it says, which is another way of saying, uh, here is what, it, just just say you're in one of Paul's epistles. Here's what the Apostle Paul meant. Now what I'm going to do is say, wait a minute, don't trust me. Let me go through the process of why I say that mm. and see if you see this. Okay. That's teaching. Now, but the in, in proclamation, which I think in the corporate worship, it ought to be preaching, which means you're doing that teaching. We, we've been singing, we're praying, 
Uh, we may be doing recitations. Your scripture readings are going throughout that whole thing. And now the now there's a pastoral teaching slash preaching, and and that that preaching is this: the the pastor, the teacher should in his prayer life. And and that morning, God help me draw close to you. Mm -hmm. I, I'm coming out here not just as a person, like okay, let me teach you how a computer works, or let me teach you what this text says, and okay, we're good. That's what it says. But let me come from the throne room of heaven as a conduit mm -hmm. of your word, which is written. Now it's going to filter through me. This is where the imperfection of it comes. Mm -hmm. Why well, you should always question. Is that right? Is it not? But God, may your Holy Spirit be in our presence. And as I'm teaching now, may I first and foremost be sitting in the pew needing to hear this. Mm. And, and, and may the, the prayer ought to be not merely to learn one doggone thing now more than you knew before you came in. Mm-hmm. Often for Christians, that's not true at all. They might not have learned necessarily anything, but they have may have been, in good preaching, utterly blessed mm -hmm. by the presence right. of the Lord through the Word of God yes. being pressed against the conscience. That's the difference. Yeah. The, the proclamation. The teaching is, this is it. This is what I'm saying when I say it. Now I'm going to say it to you. Right, okay. Dear right. believer... You must, uh, this, okay, this is what I've been preaching on in, uh, recently. I'm in Philippians 3. You must press on. Paul says the reason why, there are two paths. One leads to destruction. You don't want to be one of those. Mm. True believers aren't those. Make sure you're not one of those. Mm. And, and that's after unfolding. Look at the text with me. Isn't that what it says? And then... A shepherd is, is, is pleading with the people, proclaiming, Thus saith the Lord, believer, you who profess Christ, continue on. Mm -hmm. Press forward. Yeah. And, and it's, it's because the, I, the reason I ask that, because I, I remember some preachers would be like, Oh, I'm not a teacher. I'm just a preacher. Or I'm a, and it was probably obvious to those who heard him. Right, exactly, and that's the thing because like because their the, emphasis wasn't like being faithful to what the scripture says, more on their message, right? Like they just they just have to say talk about one certain thing. They're gonna use the Bible as a springboard for their own, you and, know. And sometimes, sometimes, and sometimes you know? utterly look, totally scattered thoughts. Look, right. when, when I was, I don't, I don't think I shared this. On, on this podcast, but we'll find out. Yeah. But I remember uh, it, when I was an undergrad, I had a homiletics course, which is a course on basic uh, sermon construction, writing sermons, preparing to preach a sermon. Okay, mm -hmm. That's homiletics. And I remember part of the uh, assignments, weekly <laughs> assignments, were at your local church mm -hmm. where you're a member Take notes and try to outline your no, pastor's sermon. sermon. Okay. After I don't know four or five weeks, I went to I went to my professor Ron Williams and I said, Doctor Williams, 
I, 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 prom- I don't know what to do. I promise you, because the, 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 actually, the, the length of the preaching was, would go to an hour 20, hour 30, mm. hour 40. A lot of times that means lack of organization, right? lack of preparation. And, and I just don't, I promise you, there's no structure. Right. I mean, where he started and where he ended and what was in the middle, they never related to one another in any way. There was no one main point right. or, or okay. In the way, okay. What did he oh, say? Oh, the, uh, uh, he just, he gave me a He break. gave you a he, cake? And I just told him, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what to do. Yeah. It is just, yeah. so, I mean, I would write stuff up and I'm literally saying, I'm t- I promise you, this is what it is. Right, there's right. You're, you're, these are my there notes is, and this is what. There like, is uh, cohesive thoughts. There's, there's there. nothing that is cohesive right. about this. There's, 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 there's no, here's a point and here's, here's the arguments for it or, mm-hmm. and here's the application of it. It just wasn't it. Nice. So, okay. I mean, I was trained under a lot of that right right so um you've been a pastor since 2002 i believe right right that's what end of 2002 end of 2002 so that makes it 18 and a half years isn't it oh yeah because it's going to be 19 yeah and then next year yeah wow 20 years pastor no 18 and a half but it's going to be 20 i'm rounding (laughs) up but so you know just to talk more about your 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 experiences as a pastor like what would you say is one of the most challenging or difficult aspects of about being a pastor? Like, uh, like it probably the answer is probably going to be people. I mean, <laughs> that's always the first joke, isn't it? <laughs> you know, the people, right? No, but you know, uh, can you just share or, or some kind of uh, those difficult things that that maybe you didn't even have a radar on? You had no idea, you know, because everybody that's been around church hear the things about what's, you know, the hard parts of church or pastoring. But what are some experiences? Oh, yeah, what do they say? What are these? Well, suppose, you know, oh, oh, the hard things, like, you, you know, growing, uh, like people not listening, right? Uh, you know, the, the people not being faithful, the people not helping with the church things. Uh, you know, you hear those complaints. That's what I'm talking about. Like, uh, you know, people not giving, right? Like, you hear those difficult aspects because as, as we're humans, we live in America where we're renting a building, right? So we got a offering and all that stuff. So I hear all those different complaints. But is there anything that you experienced that you really didn't see or never really heard of? Or or or, or is it just p- the difficult part is that you're dealing with people? Like that that's the challenge because you're a person, I'm a person, and we have to deal with each other. And sometimes I'm stubborn. Sometimes I'm not. Most of the times I'm not because I'm a really good person. I'm very easy to get along with. <laughs> so I know that that I never gave you a headache. But you know, but but what are some? What are those difficulties? You know, because I know there's a lot of people listening that like well, want to be a pastor, but just share some stuff that, or maybe they're not. Maybe they're just, it's the typical like yeah, I'm the people sure. stuff. I'm not sure if the question is what are the difficulties, or are there were there difficulties that you never expected, and now having been a pastor, it's like oh my gosh, I was blindsided by those kinds of difficulties. I'm not sure which it's both. one's the question. It, yeah, you can I answer one or Alex. Okay, yeah, I know, I but okay, so I'll g- give me the one that you didn't, uh, uh, you uh, were like not expecting. I don't, I can't, I don't know. Okay, I'm thinking. Look, I mean. See, I, I, I am, look, there's a couple things, uh, and, and people would have to ask what I really mean by that, but there's, it, it's really a lot better to go through life by not having a bunch of expectations that things are going to happen. And, and another thing is, I, I'm not a pessimist, but I'm a realist. Not right. only that, 
I wasn't a novice when mm-hmm. I started pastoring. In other words, as a Christian, which right. Paul says, don't let a novice, okay. But, you know, and, you know, uh, I, I knew enough of life in, in, in the realist part. So it's not like, you know, uh, all, look, to, to getting married, is a, it, that is a wonderful thing. Right. You know, and, and I treasure my wife, and I love marriage. But I didn't go into it thinking it's always going to be bliss. Right. And then children are going to come along, and I love my children. It's always going to be wonderful. No, I expected everything I've gotten. Gotcha. Okay, so I, I would almost, you know, use that as an analogy. It's like, you know, I kind of expect that. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, it's like, you know, all life is hard. Every 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 job is hard. For every Christian, we have all of our problems within our churches and within relationships with others within our churches or friends. We all have family, my yeah. goodness. And oh, yeah. What that can bring, mm-hmm. you know, an extended family. I mean, welcome to life. Right. Welcome to the life that God has planned for us. So I kind of went in it that way so yeah that's the thing because i i knew you were going to answer that way you and did there, yeah and i knew this is why <laughs> because you're so different than me that that's why i was like i want to i want to bring this question to you because i'm that typical daydreamer look to the future have all these expectations and then boom life so just like in in the plus 10 years that i've known you you have helped me in a lot of areas like that, where it's like when I'm going into something, the expectation, right? Like be realistic as possible. They're humans, right? Whatever. You're going to a new job. You're going to, you're going to be a father. All, all facets of life. Look, I'm, look, I am a. And that's what I'm saying. I want people we, to listen we, yes, and be like. all different personalities. Yeah. And I, look, I, I know me. Let me go back to analogy. Look, uh, with, with getting married, for instance, you know, uh, there were. When Sonia and I then finally said I do and walked the aisle, and then before that we had been dating seriously for two years till we did that, I was so open and I and she was too. It, actually, when we got married. It, it, look, we never we never had sex, mm-hmm. uh, and we get married, start living together. It wasn't much of a change in our life. Mm-hmm. Everything was open, and I mean, look, I make I make weird noises scratching my throat. <laughs> Like yep, that, I hear yeah, that disgusting. a lot. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't like hide that. And right. she'll find that out. You know, once we're married, right. and we go on. I mean, that's a silly thing, but it's like, it's just, and it's actually, by the way, the best way to to date. Just be yeah. utterly who you are. Mm-hmm. Don't don't play games. Okay, so I'm tr- well, that was an analogy for something, Alex. Well, what was that analogy? Bob, be for? realistic. But you you know you you. Oh yeah. So let me, let me give you another, look. When we did when when we planted this church, there were six six of adults, and we were not planted with any money coming from any other church or anything like that. It's just another story. We just got to the place where we just want a church that just really loves Christ deeply mm. and really deals with the Bible honestly in its preaching. Is that's what we wanted. It was hard to find, and so that long story short. One of the things, once and we had meeting a numbers of meetings, you know, if we're going to plant this church, you want me to be your pastor. One of the things I did, I literally wrote it up, and I said, and I read it to them, and I said, you have to be on board with this. If you're going to call me your pastor, we're going to plant this church. There's a few th- expectations that you better not have of me because I am not taking them on. Mm. One is that I am in any way going to be worried about growing this church numerically. 
I will not be worried about it. I will not be thinking about it. Right now, we are a church. And I will preach the Word of God, and we will live life together. We will get into each other's life. Hopefully, we'll grow in that and care about one another, mm-hmm. and God may add to us. But if... but. And I'm not saying this is wrong. Again, this is descriptive. Yeah. This is not prescriptive on how to plant a church. Mm-hmm. This is probably going back to another question you asked me at another podcast about mm-hmm. what that whole church plan thing. That was it. I mean, I knew that if pastoring for me, I'm not saying it's other people have different gifts. Yeah. And God uses it. And I say, God bless them. I'm amazed at some people that can pastor churches of 2,000 people and they're faithful Bible preachers and, and dealing with all those headaches. God wants them in that place. I have no mm-hmm. no problem with right. that. But and, and, and I also have no problem with with ten thousands of, of other pastors whom God does not want them to pastor a church more than 100 people. No. That's what he has for them. And God wants them. Okay, so going back. I just knew, though, personality-wise, whether, again, so maybe you can even judge this as sinful. Maybe. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. But it's real. And it's. I just said, look, I will not be concerned thinking about, I have no idea how to do it, so I am not going to worry about, oh my gosh, we're six months in and we've only got two extra people. I'm just not going to go there. So when it came to growing the church numerically, it came to growing it financially, I've just said that is not going to be on uh, on my radar in any way of worrying about it. Like one might do if they're going to plant a new business. Mm. Okay, here's our projection. Right. You know, And you go to business school and we're going to project out one year that we should be here. Right. Two years or should be there and there and and in church growth classes uh this is a lot on how some of this stuff is kind of planned and i'm not that's look for some people it may work i just knew i would not be able as a human being as a pastor i'm too weak i could not exist under that one thing i did not want to do is become a pastor and therefore become miserable Mm. i i knew i wouldn't last right and look, I, I know, I know from firsthand people's experiences, this is why so many pastors quit. They become utterly miserable. Mm. They get, for varying different reasons, just become, it becomes misery. Right. Because of what, whatever situation they're in has become. You know, it could be the people, it could be the pre-existing structure that they came into. We can go on and on. It could be the pressure that they even put on themselves right. that, you know what, if we're not growing, then we must be doing something wrong. Right, right, right. Okay, and on, I just knew that I could never exist under that. I would, you know, I just, would, I'd have to quit. See, and that's, <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, I, I, I've known him for over 10 years and he's been a big help in that. That helped me a lot. Because the whole expectation, it just, is so burdensome when, you know, because, you know, oh, if I do this, this has to happen. This needs to be the result. Or if not, I'm, and it just, you you pushing back on me all these years, like, just as a person, has been super, super helpful. Because me and my, me and my wife, when, when we came to, to Sovereign Grace, we were only, like, two years in our marriage. And very young, but... Thank the Lord that we were separated for four years. You know, we were uh, long distance. Before you got married. Yeah, before. So, yeah, we were, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend uh, for two years and then fiancés for the last two years. But it caused us to talk Uh a lot. Because if I, you know, that that was all we could do, talk on the phone. We didn't have no FaceTime. This was before all that. Um, And 
what what happened was because of that, just being very honest, we bought a book with a thousand questions, and it was just very silly questions and real deep questions. And I noticed when I came to the church and how real you were, how your marriage, I was like, this is amazing because it's like, I'm not like that at all. And I had so much stress and I'm just like worrying about this where it's like, that's not, that's not even there. Why, why are you even thinking about that? Be realistic, you know? Uh, understand that you're dealing with people. Things like that really helped me grow as a person and and as a thinker, as a uh, as you know. By the grace of God, um, me, my wife would joke around and like, man, Pastor Joe really messed me up, man. Like, you know, the the question, what do you mean? Like that question, <laughs> and understanding, like you drilled in me. And I was like, man, I I never realized it, but it was like communication is the hardest thing to do. It's so so it's like things like that where it's like it, it helped me so much just being realistic, being listening and not just taking them as faith value. Like don't assume, you know, like, hey, but what do you what do you mean by that? Like it is crazy how you're like, wow, I thought completely different than what you were <laughs> you saying. But just because I said, what do you mean? That was helpful for the conversation for me to understand you. And it's just been things like that about the, the, the pace that just. Being uh, um, purposeful and doing things more, you know, just understanding who you are, your strengths. That's another thing with me. Just, I, I was blinded to a lot of my weaknesses. And then as time goes on, you're like, man, I'm not good at this area. Like, I need help in this area. And being able to accept that, like, it was, it was just very helpful to me and my wife. Uh, so, you know, th thank you for that, because right. that's been huge. So just yeah, good. Just remember, this is descriptive. Right. It just shows a lot of my lack of giftings, and that's mm -hmm. fine. But you got to know yourself. Right. I look, again, people would, uh, there's things that I said I could not do, yeah. God calls others to do. Uh, we And we need type A personalities mm -hmm. in life. Yeah. Uh, not, not just talking about the church, but in general, and, and, and they can lead in particular ways that I know God had not called me to do, right. and I'm just, you just, I'm okay with that. But that's what I'm saying. No, knowing your strength is such a strength. Basically, what I'm trying to say, oh, and knowing your weaknesses is such a strength. Oh, both, yes. And that's what I'm trying to say because, yeah. like, we, we sometimes we think, okay, for instance, we're talking about pastor. Oh, that means I gotta preach. I got to figure out how we're going to do the finances. I got to figure out how we're going to grow the church. And you might be, like you said, you might be gifted and yeah, I could do those things very well. And amen, praise the Lord. But then you might find yourself like, man, I, I only could do the preaching part. I really can't worry about the other aspects. It would affect me, right? But like, I like how you do very upfront from the very get, you know, from the very beginning. This is who I am. This is, if you, like you said, if you're going to call me pastor, this is this is who Pastor Joe is, yeah. and that's that's very helpful yeah. to everybody listening. Just understanding where your strengths are, your weaknesses, and all that, because you could be more effective. Because if you know where you you're stronger, man, you could really hone in on that, and then get those people that hey, I'm really weak in these areas. Let me I, find those people and be like, oh, okay, perfect. You're that type of person. Boom, there you go. So I I think that's a huge thing. Because, you know, a lot of the, that's what I'm saying. A lot of people take the pastor role and think CEO, right? I'm, I, I got to grow it. I got to do this. I got to make these programs. I got to go to these conferences. I got to go every, like, it, it's such a pressure where it's like, wow, it, 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 it's almost like a, like you said, a miserable experience. Well, maybe for some of them, right? it's not miserable. Mm-hmm. 
But if they become the CEO type, which I think is destructive to true pastoral mm-hmm. ministry, it's not good for the people, even though they're having a ball at it. Right, right. Because they're building something. Right. Look, I mean, to the extent that that would affect what you're... What, you asked me a question, I gave you my yeah. opinion. Mm-hmm. What is a pastor? Yeah. Feed the sheep. Amen. And if you're taking away from feeding the sheep, then you are abrogating the pastoral duty. Mm. Right. Okay. And that's the thing, like, that's the main, like, keeping the main thing the main thing, right? Because yeah, yeah. then... That's, pro- that's a good way to say it. And, and if you have that, every pastor should at least have that. That's the main thing. And everything else, you know, the giftings here, that's fine. But never leaving the main thing, which is feeding the sheep, right? Caring for them, preaching faithfully, um, being as, as close, as accurate as possible as you can to the scripture. like. So, is there any particular book or books uh, from the Bible that um, helped you as a pastor or as a Christian that, that you see yourself swimming in a lot? Like, I'm going to bet it's Paul. I'm placing my bet, guys. Placing your bets, and then we'll see if who wins. But I, I think Paul is going to be a the big winner here. But anyways, is there books or, big, or books that you just find yourself uh, um, digging into and it's just very helpful to you as your for your soul as a pastor or a Christian. And then go ahead. So there's two questions there, pastor or a Christian. Look, I I yeah. It's it's I I view my I am a Christian. Mm-hmm. I'm a Christian first. Uh so and, and what that means to me, I actually don't wake up and say, hey, I'm a pastor, so therefore I need this or that. I, mm-hmm. I don't think I do. I don't I mean, in the way you're asking the question. So, gosh, I'm, I'm not sure whether there is, in the, at least in the question that I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. You know, so whether I'm, you know, reading in First Samuel like I am now, uh, you know, I, I, I want... Whatever I'm reading in in my life as a believer daily, I I, I want to commune with the Lord. I want it to hit me. I don't like it at times when I realize my mind is wandering. I love Mm. those other times when it just all of a sudden I find myself praying. Right. Uh, So... And whatever, you know, I mean, you know, every week I'm spending somewhere between, you know, 20 and 33, 34 hours on on a text. I hope that that, and by the time I preach it, this is because I've been just, you know, this is what I've been meditating on all week. Mm. And oh my gosh, and I'm preaching to myself. So now, if I don't, so if I were to say the, 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 as a pastor, well, I would say the large, there, I, I actually there's two things. So as a pastor and or as a Christian, I would say First John is one of them. Just to bother you, make it not non-Pauline. <laughs> but First John in my in my life since as an early Christian, because it is so challenging to the core of 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 walking with Jesus, mm. sanctification, right? And that is how you doing in loving mm-hmm. other brothers and sisters in the Lord, particularly, right? And then outside of that would be non-brothers and sisters, but mainly he's talking about, how are you doing? Do you actually care? You know, when they're in need, would you give them time? And, and see, the, see, here's the thing. Let me, if, if you mentioned earlier in another podcast that some people out here might want to be a pastor someday, look, 
You don't become a Christian. And then, oh, I'm going to be a pastor, so now i got to start living this way. Mm. It's not how it works. It's not like, oh, I better start teaching people now. I better become a better teacher because I'm going to be a pastor. Well, if you talk to people in a home group or one-on-one at church and no one's ever helped, it's probably a sign you shouldn't be a pastor. Mm. Or... Uh, I'm a pastor. I'm supposed to love people. Well, if you don't care and you haven't been a person who cares to get into other people's lives as a member of a local church and just be a believer and 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 then when you see a need, you meet it. You probably shouldn't be a a pastor. Okay, it's not like you you change all these things. Okay, so to go back in general. Okay, let's let's make you feel happy now, Alex. <laughs> I would say look with Paul because one of the look. Reading his epistles, the guy is a teacher. He he makes statements, deep theological statements, and then he argues for them logically. And there's and so I think that that kind of thing with Paul, again, just descriptive, is influenced a lot of who I am, mm. how God made me, and how that mixes easily with uh, my personality. You know, mm. whether I'm preaching or having a conversation, or you, we laugh about it, and everyone who knows me laughs about it, I can be very irritating. It's mm-hmm. like, what do, <laughs> what do you mean? Exactly. Explain <laughs> more to me, because I'm not grasping, because no. I, I, I love clarity. Yeah. I hate ambiguity in life. I hate it in my marriage. I hate it as a father. I hate it as a pastor. I don't like when someone is pouring out their heart and I, I have no idea what they mean. It bothers me. So I want to ask them. I want to help help me. I really yeah. want to understand what you're saying or what your thoughts are or what your feelings are or what your experience is. So uh, Paul's a model for that. So right. I don't know if I answered No, you. yeah, you did. Like, yeah, I, I knew that. Like, But, you know, it just I think it's helpful, Like, like you said, the way he teaches, because that, that's the way you like to, you like clarity, you like logical conclusions, and the way Paul just lays it out, and then he explains, and then he brings it back. It's just, it is a, it is a blessing to, to have, again, minds like him, I it just, the Lord, man, I don't know, I don't know, I could use like two of his brain cells, just two, and I think I'd be better, you know, but... But the Lord, yeah, it's an amazing thing. But you killed them all when you did drugs, man. That is true. I did. I did do. I did do that. A lot of it, man. <laughs> but so to conclude, I would just want to, you know, as, from a pastor's perspective, what are what are some of the things that us, a congregation, what are some of the things that we can do or do better to encourage, to help, to to our pastor, like like. You know, I know pray for your pastor, right? Like you should pray for your pastor, right? Um, and but there's other things, but I just like just to encourage people that maybe don't even think about that, right? They just pray for the pastor, and then they just okay. That's but what are some things that as a congregate we could do to encourage your pastor more, help him more, to to bless them more, like things like that. Uh. Every week, tell him he's the greatest man you've ever met. There you go. I, I, <laughs> I'm glad you're laughing. Look, so my first, that's, that was a joke. Yeah. <laughs> so my first response is, no matter what I say, here, here's the main thing. Don't fake anything. Mm. 
most pastors are wise enough to know when stuff's being faked anyway. Mm. So the worst thing to say is, well, you should tell them once in a while that, yeah, hey, you know, thank you for the sermon, or, or you know, thank you for. Right. Okay, okay, you 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 should if all of a sudden that pours out of your heart. That's mm. it. But you can't. No, no, no. I mean, because the, the the fake stuff. So here here's my answer. It is a whole. Love Jesus deeply. Be hungry when you come to church on Sunday morning. Allow the Lord to work in you. If, if I mean, if you're at a place where it's not worthy because he, did, you know, like I'm not being taught, the preaching's not with the Bible, then you slowly pray you might have a reason to leave. Mm-hmm. But if you do, uh, don't come in tired. Mm-hmm. Pee before the service starts so that you can maybe go for one hour and 30 minutes without having to go to the bathroom. No, I'm serious. So I'm, because good. because hopefully, I, I, I'm assuming in the question, we ha- we're talking about pastors who are not in some kind of secret gross sin and they really don't care right. and this has just become a job. Right. What they want more than anything is that because they're a pastor, a shepherd, they're, it, you're some part of their life, and it's helpful in their walk with Christ. Mm. You can't fake it. No. But these are some external things. Like, uh, I mean, I, I, let me just give you, I'm looking at Alex Camacho talking to me. He likes movies. Mm-hmm. Okay, he's got a Superman shirt on. <laughs> he went to a movie with my son last week. Let me ask you, Alex. How many times do you think, uh, and you probably go to, I don't know, forget about the year where everything was shut yeah, down, yeah. but when, a the- when you're in a theater, yeah. you don't have a pause button, do you usually get up and go to the bathroom? No. Okay. <laughs> Why not? Because I pee before, because I don't want to miss anything. Why would you want to miss? Because you probably assume, yeah. if it's worth spending my money here, right. you know what, maybe the screenwriter really worked hard yeah and maybe a few of them on you it. don't want to miss and then anything editing yeah and then when the director got a hold of that they did everything they wanted to and then it goes into the editing process and you say we got this whole thing and we got it to where we pretty much want you're probably assuming that every part is important exactly. and, and you realize if i get up and go to the bathroom it might take two and a half to three minutes mm-hmm. for a guy yeah. maybe longer for a woman and you're thinking that might have been the punchline right. <laughs> of the whole movie yeah I don't think you could have missed a hook. Okay, yeah, the look, whole thing. if you're in a if you're in a church where, like, I even talked about a pastor that I had at one time. I did, I couldn't make heads or tails. Nothing kind of there wasn't like a screenplay or there was like a beginning, a middle, and an mm-hmm. end, like a good sermon should essentially be. Then what difference does it make? Because right. the movie's terrible anyway. Gotcha. And then maybe you might want to move on. But if you think that, hmm, there's a good solid biblical exposition going on here and preaching. With that exposition, preaching expositionally and worshipfully, I don't understand how people get up in the middle of the movie mm. and then come back and not know that they might have missed the most important transition that there was. I, I don't get it. So uh, anyway, like I've always taught my my you know my, my kids, once they start coming to service, eleven years old, they will never go to the bathroom. Never yeah. have because as a family, we're just simple. Right. You know, I remember in third grade, we, recess, you had to pee before you came back, and we did that. And it's like, no, I, you can't go to yeah. the bathroom, Johnny. Right. Okay? Because right, you just did that, and, you know, you're not going to die. So, <laughs> anyway, I mean, that sounds real practical, but it's not about, yeah. it's not about, it's, it's about 
the focus, the attention. And, and this would be for the whole, this is the, for the whole service. Right. This is like, you know, it's not like, oh, here's a song time. Okay, there's a Bible reading time. There's a scripture reader up there now. And it's like, nah, 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 okay, I, I like this part. This is supposed to be corporate, the church, the gathering, the assembly, together, going vertical. Mm. Okay. And so through all these differing means, as one's being led in, in, in a pastoral prayer, one is being led by, by the worship team. There's, that's the whole point. Leading. What are they leading you in? In song? No. <laughs> They're leading you in adoration, mm -hmm. praise, right. worship, thanksgiving. Right. Through the gift of music that God gave which helps also grab not just our intellect mm -hmm. and what we think. We're more than that. It grabs our affections, our feelings, and, and melody. It hopefully uh, a repentance comes with those stark words in that song and after that scripture reading. Mm. Or joy comes with thanksgiving after this song right. and scripture reading. This is what's supposed to be happening. And therefore, and so when, so... What may, okay, what can be helpful to pastors when they also think not only is that person going hard after God, but they also realize they're not the only ones there mm -hmm. and they're affecting other people positively or negatively. Mm -hmm. If I come into a worship service, whether at my church or I'm just another Christian at another church, and, and the song service is going, the prayers are going, and I'm just like daydreaming around. And, and it's, we can all fight this. See, I'm mm -hmm. not talking about being fake. Yeah. I know what it's like when the song, I've been in a song service, and all of a sudden my mind's thinking about football right. or something. Okay. What, do, what I do is, God, help me. I'm praying at that moment. Please help the music and the words here. Do this, Lord. My mm. mind's wandering. I'm praying while Amen. I'm doing yeah. that. And at the same time, while I'm doing that, I'm realizing, do not let my disposition fall or follow where I'm thinking about football. You know why? Because someone might just look over at me right then. Mm -hmm. And it might take them out of the moment. That's I mean, true. this is just called, I think, human decency and sensitivity. Because you know what? It's corporate worship. You're not just there for yourself. Mm. We're all there together. Right. Okay. So... Uh, I don't know. I can probably ramble, but uh, so the bottom. My bottom line is, I I don't have any like you know. I I know people write this stuff and it's kind of great. Me, I'll let them all say that. Maybe that'll be helpful. But I, I, let me just say the most. When someone is not thinking about in any way trying to bless their pastor, but they just say, "Man, you said this in a certain. You can't fake this." Yeah. But I really do have this question because that really captivated me. I think you might be right. Or maybe I'm not sure if you're right. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you what. Nothing pleases me more when someone really seems to dig in and care. Yeah. And many times, and, and for me, if they want to play the devil's advocate as a Christian with something that's really important and deep and theological that I proclaim that I thought is true... Mm -hmm. Nothing pleases me more. It doesn't offend me. It excites me.
Yeah, you have. I you might, have I in your might change mine. <laughs> I might see a blind spot that I had. Mm, that's true. Or it might give me. I might not have had a blind spot, and they did. But they now I know it. Now I'm dealing with an individual, and thinking, oh, and I take them, and I say it a different way, and right. and, and, it, and, it, and, it, and a light goes on for them. Nothing excites me more. That's awesome. But you can't like say, okay, let me go out and do that now, right? Because. That just right. that doesn't. I, I had. I'm sorry. I, there was a time in the past I had someone say to me, uh, at, at, "We have home groups in this church because yeah. this is a time where Sunday morning mainly vertical when it comes to the service. Okay, we do the horizontal after church. A lot of people we just hang around for a long time. We love yeah. each other. You know, talk and care. It's kind of like you know our Sabbath Sunday. Mm-hmm. So, but in home groups, you know, taking the scripture, what was preached, and then we want people to flow through them to each other and, and minister. And then sometimes the facilitator in any kind of a home group will try to ask a question. It's always a hard thing to do. Yeah. And like construct questions and it's like really quiet. And I had someone say, oh, I know it goes quiet too long. So then I just decide, okay, I'm going to talk. I can talk. And mm. I said, and I said, don't do that. Cause yeah. I've, I was in that. I noticed when you do that, it's very different. It comes out different mm. than just, just, you're just like genuine, like, yeah, let me share that. Yeah. Or I got a question. But it's like, I'm going to fill the air because it's quiet and everyone's right. And it's like, that's kind of, don't play. Yeah. It's not helpful. I, I remember, because <laughs> I'm, I'm a chatterbox, especially back in the oh day. Oh my gosh. Is he and I remember though, like those quiet <laughs> moments, right? And before there was, in the, in the beginning, there was this uh, instinctual like, oh, say something. Like fill in the air, right? But I have noticed, like, we'll do that in deductive Bible study, right? It's like, you ask a question or somebody poses a, a theory or a statement, and we're all looking at our Bible, isn't and we're it, thinking. Isn't it wonderful? And once it you is. Get, once you get used to it that. It really is. So no pressure. It's so helpful. Everyone is thinking. Yeah, it's so helpful because it's like everybody doing the same thing. Yeah. We're thinking. Yeah. And then if that happens in home group, right? We're sharing. You, you, there's a question. We're all thinking. And I like that because it's like there's not that pressure of, oh, we got to have the right answer. Oh, we got to say this right now. And it's it, it cultivated a culture where it's like, and we're here, we're sharing, we're caring, we're loving, and, and we want to grow. So it's like you don't have to front something. You don't have to pretend it's me something. Like be genuine. And like, you know, we've had in our, the, the Bible study, right, people with different theologies and and we deal with that. We love on them. Like it's uh, it's an amazing thing, right? Yeah. And uh, I just love how there's space for that. And it, sadly, there's not a lot of those kind of experiences that I've had. But I, I really do appreciate those th- moments where it's like we could just sit here quietly, thinking, pondering, meditating on the question. And it, and it is a glory. It is a great thing. Right. I, I have noticed the benefits of it. Right. So I've gotten a lot quieter lately. So. Uh. Let me shocking, yeah, you know, because I think you and I are t- thinking about one particular inductive Bible study, mm-hmm. and there was a new person there. See, in I my, my goal as a pastor is whether teaching one on one in a Bible study or preaching on Sunday morning. I really let me let me no, no, I keep interrupting myself. I've never understood. People that in, in lots of but, you know, say it, but I'm just a little. I just like it didn't never made sense to me. Like you need to, you need to, you need to learn what you believe. You need to understand what you believe. I'm thinking, and that's a saying. Mm-hmm. I never understood that. Mm. I don't believe anything that I don't understand. I, I don't mm. understand what that means. Got it. 
In other words, and so I, I and I'm not sure everyone got what I meant there, but I know what it's like. I don't want people to believe things. I don't want people to believe in the biblical understanding of divine election unless they're guided through that to see it mm-hmm. themselves. I don't want gotcha. you to just say, okay, I believe that. I don't want you to believe in the resurrection of Christ unless you see the eyewitness testimonies and what they're saying. You ponder it. Okay. I, I don't want them to believe in justification by faith alone apart from anywhere else unless you see. Do you see it? In your Bible, not because this pastor, this teacher said so. Right. Okay. So we were in a Bible study, and it's like, remember, I remember because I got cut off be with, with electronics and internet and all that. And all of a sudden, I come back, and there's this large theological <laughs> conversation. I think, how did you guys get there? We haven't even <laughs> dealt with the text yet. And so I go back. Yeah. And so, and with that person, and I think ultimately, it's the most helpful, because this was a, this is a, a obviously... A, a an, an active, uh, from what I could pick up, Bible-loving yeah. believer, mm-hmm. then you guys th- probably had a theological position that he did not yet have. And so I, I, I just, again, let's go just straight to the text. Right. And, and so, and, and, and it's like, can it be interpreted, can this be interpreted at this point without even getting into the theology any other way? Right, right. obviously saw no... Paul must be meaning right. that. Mm-hmm. And we haven't got to other implications yeah. of what must that mean and how we would right. do with others. But that's where I want people to go. That's how we, that's how we respect each other. Mm-hmm. So we respect the intellect of another human being. And everyone, I mean, unless we really have some kind of uh, major brain damage, we're all pretty basically, you know, smart mm-hmm. and, and, and intellectual enough. Right. You know, you get people say, well, I can't understand theology. You certainly understand your computer and you read those kind of books over here. It has to do with interest. It's interest. Gotcha. It's usually a heart issue. Okay, so. All right. Awesome. Thank you again, Pastor Joe. You're welcome. This was an amazing conversation. But it was okay. I don't know about amazing. I mean, I know on my part, I was Alex amazing. Is, Alex is always way over the top. And, it was fun. Uh, I you were it. all right. But... I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you again, Pastor Joe, for the time. And I hope that you guys were blessed by this conversation. See you next time. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to The Way of Godly Men. We really appreciate it. And we hope that you were blessed by the conversation. If you have any questions or you have any comments, you could just email us at thewayofgodlymen.podcast.com at gmail.com. Thank you and God bless.